much. I want first to thank the members of the African <coughs> Studies Center for inviting me to give this talk. I think I'm the one responsible for saying in an email I was going to present a new research on Buganda nationalism. Uh, but actually, uh, in this introduction, I'd like to take a more open approach. First, because the use of the word nationalism uh, carries a risk of assuming a degree of unity and homogeneity of a movement or an ideology when it's precisely uh, the contrary on which I want to insist today. And second, because the use of the word nation or nationalism uh, is not evident for the actors themselves, and neither it is for the researcher when uh, analyzing the claims people make when they talk uh, and act in the name of Buganda or for Buganda today. The word nation, uh, Gwanga, in Buganda is present, but as we will see, uh, people talk more about the kingdom than they talk about the nation. So should we talk about royalism, or as it is sometimes said on the field, about Buganda loyalists? In the 1950s, researchers, uh, when talking about Ganda activists, were using the word neo-traditionalists. So should <coughs> we use that same word? And actually, I think that working on the tensions between these qualifications is interesting when one analyzes how people imagine what a Muganda is today and what Buganda is today. Um, I want to, to avoid uh, projecting a situated model on the mobilizations I want, I'm going to describe uh, in order to make sure that we, we seize their specificities and see how people think belonging, how they think the limits of the community how they think legitimate authority, their relation to a territory, and how they discuss the way to be a good citizen and a good subject, uh, and how they think about sovereignty in contemporary Buganda. So for the moment, I would rather talk about the Buganda cause, defined as the world of individual and collective actors who make claims in the name of or for Buganda and or for the Baganda, and insisting on the fact that the Buganda cause is not a unified and homogeneous group with a coherent discourse or a coherent political project, and, it's, and that it should not be assimilated to the kingdom as an institution or to the Baganda in general. So it should rather be seen as a space of debate, of a variety of political ideas, of the forms the, the kingdom should take, of the place it should have inside Uganda, and of the good way and the conditions for being a Muganda. Moreover, uh, the relationship between the actors I'm going to talk to you about today with the institution of the monarchy, which is in itself uh, 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 so a, a, a space which is heterogeneous and, and, and competitive in itself, uh, these relations have varied, uh, are, are varied and they evolved in, in time. Um, so the Buganda Coast should not be seen as a unitary movement, but it should be seen as a mosaic. One of the important uh, questions I want to keep in mind as well today is to see how the characteristics of the NRM regime impacted the way these <coughs> issues are debated and the way people who claim to defend the interests of Buganda organize and express themselves. So I'm interested in Buganda political thought, but I'm also interested to see how it is connected <coughs> to wider national political dynamics and particularly the way the state elites exercise power and party politics. So the idea here is that the repertoires of political action uh, and discourse, and thus the political imaginaries that are displayed by the people who act and express themselves in the name of Buganda are the results of a negotiation process uh, on unequal terms, of course, and very often tainted with coercion between uh, the state and, and, and these actors. So it seems all the more important today to understand these claims and mobilizations as they represent one of the most important driving forces of opposition politics in contemporary Uganda. 
it's true that President Museveni won uh, the election last year with a very large margin and doing actually much better than what he did in 2006. And it's true as well that many had predicted um, that the fallout between the central government and the monarchy would cost Museveni uh, the core and heart of his electoral support, which is the rural areas of Buganda, where he conducted most of his bush war uh, in the beginning of the 1980s. But Museveni also won in these areas. Nevertheless, um, radical royalists, which were gathered in um, the platform uh, Subi 2011, <coughs> uh, also did very well. And all the important members of this group uh, made their way into parliament. And they are also among the most important leaders of the World to Work protests, which regularly erupt in Kampala and other cities in the country since last April. As many of you know, um, the kingdom with the Kabaka at its head uh, has been the backbone of the Ugandan state. Under the protectorate and near first years after independence, it beneficiated from a degree of autonomy uh, which was uh, more important compared <coughs> to other regions. And it is still the richest and, uh, area of, uh, of the country, and around 80% of uh, uh, the Ugandan population define themselves as Baganda. And as you can see on the map, it's at the center of the territory, and the Kampala is situated at the center uh, of the Buganda territory. All kingdoms were abolished by Milton Obote in 1967, and in 1993, um, Museveni agreed to restore them, but not under any conditions. They didn't recover all the prerogatives they had uh, at independence, and according to Article 246 of uh, the 1995 Constitution, a person shall not, while remaining a traditional leader or cultural leader, join or participate in partisan politics. Um, the the thing is, this article is <coughs> often interpreted in a broad sense, some maintaining that uh, the kingdoms are prohibited to be uh, engaged in politics altogether, so there are controversies around its, its interpretation. And according to the constitution, uh, parties based on ethnicity uh, are, are prohibited. <coughs> Today, um, the kingdom of Uganda is a very dynamic institution with a government composed of 30 ministers, usually designated as Mengo, with a prime minister, the Katikiro, at its head with the parliament, the Lushiko, and also the regiment of a fiscal system. But officially it remains a cultural institution that has to be only engaged in development activities. So the constitutional constraints I mentioned are reinforced by the current political climate, which so, especially since 2007 and the, um, and, um, the, the, the will by the central government to change the legislation on land, an increase in the tensions between the kingdom and the central government, and an increased recourse to, uh, to violence by the latter. So in the present context, the government scrutinizes very closely how uh, 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 Buganda and the people claiming to represent its interests are behaving and act in, uh, politically. Particularly in September 2009, there were uh, important riots uh, in the central <coughs> region of the country, which are usually called the Buganda riots, uh, which saw at least 27 people uh, killed and hundreds arrested. And during the riots, the radio of the kingdom, CBS, was banned, and this ban lasted for a year, and it was hugely unpopular. And between 2010 and 2011, um, the, claim, the climate remained uh, very tense, especially after the tragic destruction of the uh, king's tombs in Kasubi in March 2010, and after the passing of a new law just a few days before the elections uh, that reinforces the outreach of the Article 246 of the, of the Constitution. So I'll organize my presentation in two uh, parts. First, I'll talk to you about the forms of Ganda claim making under uh, the NRM regime with a focus on the 2011 elections and the emergence of uh, the SUBI uh, platform. 
Uh, and then I'll tell you a bit more about the demands of these different categories of, of people and the kind of narratives that they produce. So the forms of Ganda claim making are deeply influenced by the constitutional framework that I already mentioned. Uh, and that framework, it's important to underline it, it's, it's not a simple unilateral imposition from the government. And Mehdi Baganda, uh, particularly the entourage of the then Prince uh, Mutebi uh, II, um, did in the end of the 1980s agree with the idea of restoring a non-political kingdom. For many reasons, uh, since the 1950s, uh, different categories of Baganda are reluctant to see the kingdom meddling with party politics. And interestingly, these long-lasting political imaginaries echoed the model of the no-party democracy that Museveni uh, promoted, and to which many Baganda adhered. So in the um, 1990s, the combination of these constitutional and political constraints and these common beliefs led to the adoption of specific formats of uh, political mobilization, uh, which are uh, usually called on the field pressure groups. So uh, there are ma very many different pressure groups which have been at the forefront of the articulation of the kingdom's agenda. And as we will see, important members of these groups individually engaged in electoral politics, but they are very <coughs> careful to formally distinguish themselves from uh, political parties. Um, it's, it's difficult to give an estimate of how many there are, and they are very diverse in degrees of uh, radicality, modes of recruitment, and size. Uh, but they, interestingly, they are very uh, popular among the urban youth. Uh, and it's important to remind that they don't always follow uh, the uh, Mengo's line, so the official line of, of the monarchy, far from it. Um, one of the most important is called Bazukuluba Buganda, the grandsons of Buganda. It was created in the end of the 80s, and it was very critical of um, uh, the Mengo establishment in the 1990s because they didn't want to operate within the consensus that Museveni wanted to build, and they wanted uh, the restoration of the kingdom to, to, be, to go beyond what was negotiated with, uh, with Museveni, and to, to they wanted the kingdom to regain a status that was closer to the, the one they had in 1962 at independence. <coughs> closer to uh, uh, the official kingdom establishment is another group called Koba Zambodo, which is a student organization uh, with a large membership of around 50,000 members uh, and which recruits from primary school up to the university. And they are involved in many different activities from development work in the villages to ensuring the security of the king when he tours the kingdom and uh, to demonstrations. So in 2011, we saw a clearer engagement in electoral politics through the emergence of, of CB. Um, so there were many discussions uh, about how much was uh, Mengo pushing for that clearer commitment. Um, it's difficult to know exactly how much the Kabaka and his officials are directly involved in that. First, because uh, there is no such thing as a consensus inside the palace around the strategy to adopt towards elections and the idea of creating uh, a party. Uh, but also, Mutebi is vigilant not to jeopardize the kingdom's position in relation with the constitution, so, and he doesn't talk very much in public. Nevertheless, um, although he doesn't name the government or the president directly, he denounces regularly the, I quote, provocations, persecutions, and injustices that the Baganda have to suffer. And he regularly encourages his subjects to be mobilized, to protect the kingdom's interests. In 2010, he encouraged them to uh, vote, to seek elective positions, and to participate in national politics uh, side by side with uh, other uh, Ugandans. 
So, but what is certain is that the emergence of that platform, of SUBI, uh, reflects internal disputes, internal wrangles inside political parties, as well as the coming of age of a certain generation of royalists who are not always aligned on Mengo's official line. So, because despite the historical reluctance uh, and the constitutional constraints that I mentioned earlier, and even if none of the parties uh, is exclusively built on the Ganda agenda, since uh, 1986, the Buganda cause has been intertwined with party politics and carried by small groups inside uh, different political parties, sometimes generating important tensions. And it has been particularly problematic for the Democratic Party. And the contemporary relations between DP and Mengo are all the more interesting considering the history uh, of uh, the, the two entities and the fact that their, their disputes has largely determined the political dynamics of the 1950s and 1960s. Uh, because the Democratic Party, which was present in the wall of Uganda, uh, was largely composed of Catholics and uh, was uh, formed as a counterweight to the Mengo uh, establishment, which was, um, since the beginning of the 20th century, dominated by the Protestants. And actually, that's one of the most noticeable uh, characteristics of the Buganda cause today. It's the fact that the religious factor doesn't play the <coughs> fundamental uh, part that it used to have in uh, Buganda politics at that time. And that there are important connections between part of the Democratic Party and the Kingdom establishment. Uh, these um, connections are due to the, the, I mean the policies uh, by, of the DP leadership, but also the fact that Mengo had a very open hand uh, policy in the 1990s towards the Catholic uh, and appointed in 1994 a Catholic catechero for the first time. So um, DP, uh, the Democratic Party is present in, in the rule of the country and has a strong base in northern Uganda, but it still gets a strategic part of its electoral support from Buganda. And so inside the party, there were some voices uh, asking for a more aggressive approach on the kingdom issues. And so in February 2010, part of the leaders and members of the party, including the spokesperson Betty Nambose, whom you see at the center of his image, uh, and the, the MP for Kampala, Rias Lukwago, who, who is also on uh, somewhere. Yeah. Um, they uh, decided to boycott the uh, party's delegates conference and to create, uh, to create SUBI. Uh, this, um, this reflects the fact that they wanted uh, the Buganda agenda to take a bigger part in the party's agenda, but it also uh, reflects the fact that um, they, uh, they were uh, criticizing how the leader of the party, Norbert Mao, had been designated, and they cr were criticizing the fact that uh, Norbert Mao wanted to uh, be a candidate for the presidential election, whereas these, uh, wa these people wanted to be involved in the inter-party cooperation, which is the coalition of the opposition political parties, and to have a common candidate for all the opposition uh, parties. So they decided to support uh, the leader of FDC for the presidential election, Kisa BCJ. So here you see um, it was a rally of SUBI. So you see that they had uh, the posters for the SUBI candidates who were former DP members, but they were also campaigning for uh, Kiza Besije, who was the FDC um, uh, leader and who comes from Western Uganda. In the open, SUBI follows the agenda uh, set up by, by Mengo, and um, the group was created, and this is important, um, because its founders think that there is no way that, that now the demands of the kingdom are going to be met by Museveni, and that the only way uh, they are going to, uh, the kingdom is going to obtain what it 
it's been asking for since the 1990s is through regime change. So Buganda is integrated in a reflection on the politi political destiny of the whole country. And Subi offers a repertoire of critique that goes far beyond the royalist agenda understood in its narrow sense. It targets, for example, the presidentialist and personalized character of the regime, authoritarianism, and corruption. So Subi is characterized by its inner diversity. I, I go back again to that picture because it's useful. Um, but it has, it has members from DP, it has members from FDC, uh, people from associations such as Nkoba Zambogo, uh, and some combining all these belongings. And it also has among the founding members, former Mango officials <coughs> and cabinet <coughs> members, like the former Katiki Rosemogere, who you see on the left, um, the Minister for Youth, Matthias Mpuga, and the Deputy Minister for Information, Medat Segona. The pillars of the group are also characteristic of a new generation of Ganda radicals who happily combine party politics, a career in the media, and positions inside the monarchy administration. They are neither chiefs or clan heads, and they come from relatively uh, modest and rural backgrounds, but they benefited from a good education, many of them being lawyers and, and journalists. So um, it's interesting to see that some women are very prominent among them. So uh, Betty Nambose, for example, she, she was a journalist in the 1990s. And um, in 1999, she became a panelist in several uh, talk shows on radio, and that's how she became famous. She first supported the NRM, and then Bezigia in 2001, and she finally joined DP in 2003. Um, she also headed the Buganda Civic Central Education Committee, which uh, is a group that was created by the kingdom to sensitize its subjects on land. Uh, and uh, just before that, she, was, she became the spokesperson of the Democratic Party, and she was still a member of the Democratic Party when she was in this committee. So it created a lot of controversy around the fact that she was working for the kingdom and being in a political party at the same time. She was elected MP in a by-election in 2010 with a DP ticket and then re-elected in 2011. She was arrested many times and charged for sedition, and so she's extremely popular. Uh, and um, she's affectionate. Uh, uh, she, I mean, she has a nickname, and um, and she's usually called Madame Teacher by uh, by a lot of people because of the character she played on the radio. Before I come up actually to the importance of the media, I just want to underline that. Um, <coughs> The, the, the fact that the Buganda cause was taken up by different political parties illustrates the fact that it's <coughs> integrated in wider repertoires of political critique. Generally speaking, the different actors who carry demands in the name of the kingdom um, carry, uh, carry claims that go beyond parochial kingdom issues, and they work side by side by politi with political parties and are engaged in campaigns against the cost of living, against authoritarianism, together with FDC and other parties. Uh, whose leaders come from Western and Northern Uganda and other uh, regions of Uganda. So the radio, um, uh, generally speaking, CBS has played an, an instrumental role not only in publicizing royalist ideas, but also in the emergence of these new elites. Among the five um, uh, SUBI members who were eventually elected MPs, uh, there, there are four talk show hosts and permanent panelists. <coughs> CBS was created in the, in the 1990s, and it was among the first commercial stations. <laughs> Apologies. So, so I have time to seek water. <laughs> so it, it was among the first commercial uh, stations to broadcast in Luganda, and soon became the most popular station in the whole country, both in rural and urban areas. It also participated in reinventing the political culture of the, of the kingdom. 
the, the young and professional journalists and DJs in charge of the station quickly came to believe that the radio would be a useful tool to recreate links between the Kabaka and its subjects and to teach about the kingdom's history after 27 years of disappearance. So they created political programs, and this allowed the <coughs> kingdom to make its voice heard on political matters while remaining a commentator. So it was a way of playing hide and seek with the Article 46 of the Constitution. These programs are spheres of discussion proper to the kingdom and where speech followed specific rules, <coughs> characterized by a, a very strong injunction to respect the authority of the Kabaka. So journalists were uh, careful to respect a certain balance, but the kingdom was at the center of the news. And this um, actually even became an issue because um, the, for the central government, and there were debates around with whom should we open the news bulletin? Should we first talk about the president and the uh, news of the government, <coughs> or should we first talk about the king? Uh, so there was, um, an, uh, just after the, the station was reinstalled, there was a negotiation around which political order should actually be embodied on the airways, the royalist or the republican. Apart, apart from CBS, uh, all SUBI MPs are also involved in wireless newspapers. Uh, partly in reaction to the ban of the station, the last two years saw the re-emergence of a vibrant Luganda-speaking press that acts as a venue of debate and promotion of wireless ideas. In 2009 and 2010, two newspapers were created, Edobozi, The Voice, and Gwanga, The Nation. Neither are officially linked to uh, the kingdom like CBS is, uh, even if Edobozi is closer to, to the Mango establishment. This <coughs> newspaper was created by members of Mkomazambogo under the patronage of uh, Matthias Mpuga, donc, uh, uh, so one of the persons who's there, uh, who was at that time Minister for Youth for the Kingdom. Um, and the newspaper seeks to unite the Baganda behind the Kingdom's institution. So in, in that sense, it's very different from Gwanga, uh, whose journalists seek to invigorate the inner debate inside the Kingdom. So Gwanga was, uh, was um, launched by Kalundi Serumaga, who's a, a famous uh, Ganda activist, a radio presenter again, and the former director of the National Theatre in the 1990s. Uh, he was violently arrested in the, during the 2009 riots. Uh, and Gwanga also counts among his, its columnists and, and editors two uh, MPs of, of SUBI, including Betty Nambose. As one of his journalists puts it, Gwanga is pro-Buganda, but it is not Buganda. If it was owned by the kingdom, it wouldn't be independent. So the newspaper is a watchdog for Buganda. They, they very harshly criticize some factions inside Mengo, in particular those who are close to the Katikiro and those who are pushing for a compromise with the central government. One of Gwanga's journalists didn't hesitate to tell me, we must protect the kingdom even against the king if he fails it. <laughs> even if you remove the king, the kingdom can stay through the clans. In 1966, when the king was abolished, the kingdom stayed. Some editors intend to launch a debate on the very foundations of the Ugandan state, questioning its, its legitimacy. Uganda is a colonial occupation of Buganda, one of its editors was telling me. Citizenship has been imposed, and the fate of an artificial state is to disappear. So Gwanga's mission, according to that editor, is to expose the lie, I quote, of the existence of the Ugandan state, which was, according to him, created by colonialism, whereas Buganda, as a state, was Ontario. The objective is also to promote an intellectual or elitist use of the Luganda language. Uh, they want to reinvigorate the tradition of Luganda journalism that was uh, very vibrant uh, in, uh, in the first half of the 20th century, in the 1940s and 50s. 
that same editor was telling me, uneducated and educated can now share a conversation. And the editors also um, give a lot of importance to historical articles and to uh, opinion pieces. <coughs> they, they seek to promote new ideas, including uh, the secession option. Uh, another media that seems uh, that has been instrumental in yeah, well, I had a lot of images. Yeah, another media that seems instrumental to the circulation of <coughs> ideas uh, on, on Buganda, in Buganda, and inside a wider audience are Kadongo Kamu songs, which are easily available in urban settings, sometimes broadcasting on radio and performed in campaign rallies, like uh, in this case. Kadongo Kamu is a musical genre which is typical of, of Buganda and that exists since the 1950s, and it's based on a reduced instrumentation and an emphasis on the lyrics, the use of narratives, an elaborate form of Luganda with a lot of hidden language, images, idioms, and moral recommendations. So I will refer to different songs and singers uh, in the analysis that uh, follows, but um, if I have time, uh, I'd like to show you two minutes of one of these songs, mm -hmm. uh, so you'll have a better idea of what I'm talking about. Um, it's, it's called Kavanawanga, so it means intruder, and it's, um, it's been composed by this man, who's called William Chibuka, who was, uh, and this picture the, uh, was taken in a rally, in a Subi rally uh, uh, in February 2011, and he was always there in the, in the rallies I attended in Kampala at that time, so I think it's pretty representative. So just to, because it's in Uganda, just, so it begins with um, um, a speech, um, an extract from a speech from the king, uh, so it's the king, um, who says, when we talk about our main issues, those the people know are ours, it's difficult for someone to take it away from us. And then the singer criticizes and addresses directly a man who is shown tearing a poster of the king on the video, so you'll see that. And the song seems to reveal that this particular <coughs> person is in fact a Murundi, someone who comes from Burundi. And he tells him, you should go back to Burundi. Don't bring here your problems and send this warning to your friends. Keep your knowledge to Bujumbura. Songa Enguezo, this is not an issue. Mama, 
Oh, it's very long, so I'm not going to show you everything. So, um, more generally, um, now in this that, that second part of my paper, I want to tell you a bit more about the demands that are made in the name of Buganda and the kind of narratives that are produced through these demands. So I'll use different kinds of empirical material, um, uh, song lyrics, uh, such as uh, this one, but also uh, official documents that are produced by, <coughs> the, uh, by the kingdom, um, electoral speeches uh, and interviews. So the first demand uh, the kingdom is pressing for is the installation of a federal system of government, or federal, um, which is precisely described in the report the kingdom submitted to the Uganda Constitutional Review Commission in the 1990s. So federal would see the creation of regional governments with a certain level of autonomy in terms of political orientation and public policies and, and service, um, social service delivery. And according to the kingdom authorities, it would allow for more efficiency in development programs. It would bring more democracy, transparency, and accountability, not only for Buganda, but for the whole country. So it, it's inspired by the 1962 constitution, but it also presents major differences one of them being that all the regions from <coughs> Uganda would be allowed to acquire a similar status. In Buganda more particularly, um, that text describes a, a non-political kabaka, uh, uh, which seems to be actually pretty similar to the uh, British uh, monarchy, uh, without executive authority on, on security and administrative services, uh, no initiatives in terms of public policies, and uh, with a, a kabaka that could not be a member of any political party. <coughs> Each region would have its own legislative body, but it's not defined how the legislators and the local cabinet minister would be picked. Uh, one of the, apart from federal, uh, the other major point of contention is the land issue. In 1967, the kingdoms disappeared from the books of law and their land fell into the public domain. Uh, in 1993, the Kabaka's private land was given back, but Mengo still demands the, the 9,000 square miles which were previously owned by the kingdom as an institution. Moreover, in 1998, uh, the Land Act uh, defined a category of bona fide occupants that the monarchy criticizes because they say it deprives, it deprives Baganda landowners from rights on their land to the benefit of squatters suspected to be of foreign origins and manipulated by the government and who exposed uh, uh, Baganda tenants. Uh, Mengo also denounces the hoarding by state elites said to come mainly from Western Uganda of part of the contested 9,000 square miles and the consequential expulsion of Ganda tenants. And so in 2007, the tensions were reactivated with the introduction by uh, the government of a new land bill uh, that reinforces the tenants' rights against expulsion. So this situation creates um, tensions and it's interesting because it's very different from the mobilizations of the 1940s because young, landless urbanites end up mobilizing themselves to preserve the Milo system of land ownership, which was created with the British in uh, the beginning of the cent uh, 20th century, which for an outsider seems to be an unfair and conservative land ownership system. 
And they defend it because it is seen as a gatekeeper of the kingdom and because it's based on a non-antagonic ideal of the relationship between tenants and landowners, a clientele relationship based on mutual obligations. So, and this is also nourished by the fact that most expulsions of Ganda tenants seem to take place when big men, often close to the government, buy land under a, a capitalistic system of ownership and build housing resorts, uh, housing facilities which are too expensive for poor uh, tenants to live in. So land issues are one of the most common themes in the songs, uh, in Kadongo Kamu song lyrics. One, for example, by another singer uh, called Fred Sebale, uh, denounces Baganda who sell their land. In general, these songs express a lot of distress as the fact that land, uh, as the fact that land being sold to non-Baganda is assimilated to the disappearance of the kingdom. But interestingly, but not all Baganda agree on what should be done uh, with land. And interestingly, in that particular song, um, the singer asks the king to take back all the land titles in order to prevent Baganda from selling their titles. So um, it could be actually a criticism of uh, the, the Milo land system and a reference to an older, uh, an older system when the king was the unique provider of, of land. In rally speeches, song lyrics, and radio shows, uh, many uh, use, the w use words associated with war and conflict to describe the relationships between the kingdom and the central government. Encouragements to fight for the kingdom are very common. For example, during interactive radio talk shows, it was frequent to hear sentences like, the kingdom is in danger, the kingdom is under attack, the king will soon be arrested, uh, some people want to take over the kingdom, etc. In the case of the songs, video clips heavily rely on images on, of the 2009 riots that are assimilated to an uprising <coughs> of Uganda. And in, in some videos, you can see people fabricating spears, arrows, and carrying machetes. Baganda are encouraged to stop being quiet because this attitude only led them to be fooled. We have gained nothing of our quietness, says William Chibuka in one of his songs. He follows. You intruders, you started me. You don't know that I am very dangerous. Even though I look gentle, you have to watch out. I have the heart of a soldier. In other songs, the, <coughs> the kingdom is said to be in a state of war for Federal, and that it's necessary to be united like the flow of water to fight against those people who are planning to see that Buganda is swept away from Uganda. These images were also present in opposition campaign rallies. Uh, one candidate, for example, um, said, I have to come here to fight against those people who do not respect our culture. I have come to fight these people. We are going to war. The kingdom is perceived to be under attack because of the land issues, but also because some people uh, disrespect or minimize the king. That's the words uh, they use. Some songs, like Kavamawanga, are directly turned against those who insult the Kabaka and want to reduce him to something futile. So what kind of insults are, are we talking about? For example, when Tamale Mirundi, the president's press secretary, who's actually the character who is depicted in that song, but I'll come back to that, says that the Kabaka and his officials are common men, or bakopi, that anyone could become a katikiro, or that anyone could become a kabaka, even a peasant, and that the kabaka is too proud, and that he himself, Tamale, could become a kabaka. Um, he challenges the fundamental superiority of the king and his officials, and this is considered as an insult. Through these speeches and the song lyrics, Baganda are encouraged to reverse what is perceived to be the historical attitude of the, uh, that the kingdom has had throughout the 20th century. Instead of making compromises and alliances with other political groups as it, had done, as it has done since 1900, Buganda is expected to relink with its older martial history. The history of the kingdom is 
since 1900, and particularly since the independence, is interpreted as a history of passivity, because Buganda has <coughs> made alliances with other groups which have used it to gain power, and Baganda, who are the most numerous ethnic group in Uganda, have never directly ruled and were betrayed every time. More particularly in these speeches and lyrics, one can see a reinterpretation of the Bush War mythology on which the legitimacy of the current regime heavily uh, rests. There are many discussions about the agreement which is supposed to have taken place between Buganda and Museveni in the Bush to negotiate the support of the Baganda civilians to Museveni's guerrilla in exchange of uh, the, the restoration of the kingdom and uh, the return of its properties. Some say that the only reason the Baganda supported the NRA is because the prince encouraged them to do so. In the press, in particular, there are many um, investigations uh, and re-evaluations of the role of uh, the Ganda officers inside the guerrilla and uh, investigations around their fate because they, they, many of them died during the war, so there are many suspicions around why they died. Um, in songs, in radio allocutions, in, in editorials, many underline the fact that Museveni won the, the war thanks to the Baganda sacrifices and that he is now, as one of Subi uh, leaders told me, turning against the Baganda the guns that they handed out to him. In songs, enemies are alluded to constantly, even <coughs> if they are not directly named. That one, those people, you people. And singers use all sorts of tricks to uh, make their message heard and designate some culprits, but still want to protect themselves uh, uh, w from repression by not giving names. One good example of this kind of indirect criticism is this song, Kadamawanga, um, because the character who is accused of being a Murundi is in fact Tamale Murundi, <coughs> the president's press secretary. Um, he's not directly named in the song, but everybody knows that it's him because of the similarity of his name with Murundi, Murundi, Murundi. And also, um, if, you, if you've seen him, you recognize the mimics and his um, way of speaking from the video clip. So <coughs> according to um, singers I interviewed, talking about Westerners is a metaphor for Museveni and his entourage. Um, singers often talk about cows, about meat and milk, because these are products that are uh, supposed to come from uh, Western Uganda, and they threaten with boycotting these products when the war for federal starts, so saying that they won't eat milk, um, drink milk or eat meat. Several songs sing to reaffirm Baganda's superiority on their territory over other ethnic groups that were invited. Um, this theme is present since the 1990s, but it seems that the character, um, the character of the villain in the songs has slightly evolved. It's not so much the foreigners uh, or the Westerners who are directly targeted, but the false Baganda. As Chibuka says in this song, <coughs> I realize that you are a Murundi, even your grandparents are natives there. Even <coughs> though you have a name from Buganda, you are not belonging here. Because Tamale Murundi is supposed to be a Muganda. <coughs> so the singer's mission in these songs is to reveal this forgery of identity. The fact that um, people pretend they are Baganda, but in reality, they are not, uh, because they minimize or abuse the king, or because they sell their land. So their actions uh, are not reflecting their name. According to Chibuka in this song, he says, they named themselves the Chiganda name when they are not. People should be very careful. We have many among ourselves with names like Luguama, for instance, which is a typical Ganda name. But his act is not refle reflecting his name. Those are not Baganda. Clan leaders should be very careful. Those are the ones who didn't want government to give us, our to give us back our things. Sorry. Another singer oh. says in another song, 
You find some people call themselves Baganda when their hearts are telling different stories. Those people who come here and name themselves our names when they are not really from <coughs> here, those are people who come from a country where they eat dog, dogs. <laughs> we should differentiate between those people who call themselves Baganda because of their names and the Baganda who are like me. I'm not discriminating, I'm not tribalistic, but it's better to trust Biao Gaba, which is a name from Western Uganda, <coughs> when he has not hidden <coughs> his identity. I trust you as a Munyankole. When I asked this singer to give me more explanation about what he meant in his song, he told me, they are not Baganda according to the way they behave. They pretend to be, but because of the way they behave to the kingdom, they are not. So I asked him, even if their ancestors are Baganda, he told me, you know, Buganda here, we have got mixed tribes. Baganda married Banyaranda, Banyankole, many tribes. So it's not easy to find out the real Muganda. So it's interesting because in this case, belonging is based on a mixture of heredity and loyalty. It's also based on a certain behavior and commitment to the kingdom. The lack of loyalty can only be explained by the fact that these people are not Baganda. A real Muganda could not behave like that. So the borders of the group are defined politically and in a very vertical manner. Gandaness is defined through one's love for the king. As such, it's different from other strong manifestations of belonging that can be seen in Africa and beyond, and that have been uh, when well analyzed um, as autochtony, like Ivoirité, for example. Um, autochtony being understood as a static and exclusive uh, conception of citizenship based on the principle of anteriority. So, this is present in Uganda, but it's also um, mixed with this essential element of vertical loyalty and political commitment, as well as moral and behavioral qualities. Because the bad bagandas and the false baganda of the songs uh, are not only the ones who uh, insult the <coughs> king, they are also the ones who drink, who sell their land because they are greedy, and because they want to drink and, 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 and um, have uh, relationships with women of little virtue. So it's, a, it's really a moral uh, construction of what is a good, uh, good Muganda. So according to this conception, if you don't respect the king, you're a barbarian. You come from a country where people eat dogs. Um, and this reminds of conceptions of citizenship present in, in, philo in classical philosophies of the contract. If you don't accept to be submitted to the king, you, um, uh, who is the owner of the world, who is the source of culture, understood as civility, understood as self-control, you fall into a sort of state of nature. And this actually reminds accounts of how people behaved when the Kabaka was exiled in 1953, where it said that people couldn't hold themselves together, they, they, <coughs> didn't, they were in a permanent state of grief, um, they didn't respect the good manners set up by the clans anymore, didn't cut their hair, their, their beards, etc. Anthropologists and historians have shown how the presence of the king is thought to have a direct impact on how people behave and respect uh, good manners and how the restoration in 1993 was uh, interpreted as a return of manners and morality. <coughs> the, this link uh, between loyalty and identity and civility can go as far as some asking Tamale Mirundi uh, to be expelled from his clan, denying him to keep his name and, so, and through that denying him his gandaness and thus making him some kind of tribeless person. In this conception of citizenship, thus, in theory, people who are not Baganda by descent can be integrated if they respect the social contract. And in many ways, the kingdom has been very attentive to maintain this idea of a welcoming kingdom, a reality with a representation system for minority in its institution, with grants for uh, children, uh, non-Ganda children in the <coughs> schools, etc. Um, so to conclude, <coughs> um, as I said, this is a new research, so there are still many things I need to investigate. The, the most important bit being 
the reception of these uh, mobilization speeches and songs, which is still something I have to do on the field. Um, but in the end, if we want to assess the success of Gonda nationalism, we love a lot of uh, quotes, understood as this heterogeneous wall of claim making and mobilizations in the last 20 years and characterize it, several things should be emphasized. First, the overcoming of the religious uh, differences which were so fundamental so far and that uh, divide between uh, Catholics and Protestants. Um, second, the imposition of new rules of speech in the Ugandan media and political field in general in terms of how to talk about the kingdom. Uh, the way the Kabaka and the kingdom are depicted in the national media has evolved a lot since the 1980s, and it's now extremely rare to read a piece that would challenge the legitimacy of the existence of the monarchy, whereas this was openly discussed in the 1980s and 1990s. Um, <coughs> it also had, uh, I didn't have time to talk about that here, <coughs> um, but it also had a tremendous influence on a, a kind of reinterpretation and displacement of the political competition on the local level, uh, especially in the constituencies where Lutfield worked during the elections. The campaign was really around who was going to be the best uh, representative of the king's interest and even uh, the candidate uh, of, the, of the ruling regime who was of Asian origin. They were all uh, trying to display their love for the king and their submission to him and trying to convince uh, the voters that they were good Baganda and good kingsmen and that they were going to defend his interests. And then, um, last thing, the, the, the tying together of nationalism and royalism. Even if ideas and ideals articulated in the name of Buganda are varied and sometimes antagonistic, there is an apparent and minimal consensus on the form of authority Buganda must subject themselves to. To conclude my conclusion, <laughs> I'd like to underline the fact that the Buganda cause encourages us to uh, revisiting the fundamental tension between <coughs> the status of citizen <coughs> and subject. Buganda <coughs> activists um, renegotiate the repertoires of citizenship promoted by the NRM who imagined a citizenship that would, that would be non-ethnic and participatory. And they are calling out very strongly to the state to respect their rights and to, ma to make their own decisions while celebrating their submission to the king or their subjectivity with all the ambivalence that Michel Foucault would put into this work. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed.